Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Praise be to God. You know, some of you, and I would pray that we could have the words up there, they were embedded, but uh, not necessarily projecting up on this large screen that we had. But, you know, when you hear songs like this, the Ancient of Days, and you hear the songs that you were singing, they were all biblical, they were all scriptural. This is something that, you know, my heart cries out, even for psalmists of today, that we would go back to the Bible when we extract songs. So that we're truly singing. And, and, and if you're wondering about the Ancient of Days, Daniel tells us about the Ancient of Days. In Daniel chapter 7, verse number 9, it starts to talk about the fact that you are the Ancient of Days, which is letting us know God's been there, has always been there. God is here and will always be here. When you and I think about a future, there is no future without God. He is the owner of the day. He is the owner of the time. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The, the Bible says the cattle of a thousand hills, they all belong to the Lord. And guess what? We belong we were created by him we were created the bible says to bring him pleasure your life my life our lives are designed to glorify god this is why the bible says the praise shall be what continually in your mouth from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. His name is to be praised. Somebody lift Jesus up this morning. Somebody give him personal praise. Somebody give him personal worship. Somebody open your mouths and let your mouth express to your God that you love him, that you're thankful. Do you realize that when people say to you, I love you. Do you know that there is an expected response? How many of you ever said to somebody, I love you, and then you look back and they don't say nothing? See, Jesus, every morning that you wake up, that's Jesus saying, I love you. And he is looking for his children to be able to say back to him, and I love you, Jesus. Well, pastor, you know, that's just not my style. Then, folks, you better get you a new style. Because this is the will of God concerning you. That you would love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. You know, if a child ran up to you now and just embraced you and said, I love you, I would think there would be something wrong with you if you could not respond back. But see, this is what Jesus did. He came. God sent his only begotten son to run to you, to run to us, and to say to us, I love you. John 3, 16, you know it, don't it? For God, that he... But, oh man, what is required of you? And the Bible says, then do justly. 
Love mercy. Walk humbly before God. Honor God. Bless God. Well, I'm not used to clapping my hand. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? You, you, know, you remember when we were singing that? Come on, everybody. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Everybody, close your eyes for just a moment. Imagine heaven now. Some of us will be out of place in heaven because they tell me that heaven, day and night, there is an echo going on. And an echo, the angels are saying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord. And they tell me that's worship and that praise around the throne of God, day and night. And this is why it says to those that are living on the earth, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. This is why you see in that, that illustration where it's saying even the instruments should praise him. We know that from the psalm. Psalm 150. All of the instruments. It says let the trumpet resound. Let, let the flute. Let, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come on. You've got breath this morning, don't you? Come on, praise the Lord again. Just lift his name up. See, sometimes you've got to get out of what's been your comfort zone. And you have to let go and let God. Sometimes you have been used to being this way and that way and acting this way. And God says, I need you to lay aside that right now. I need you to just love me, worship me, bless me, praise me, honor me, glorify me, magnify me. He said, when you lift him up, do you know that the garment of, the, 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 the spirit of heaviness lifts off of your life? You can come in sometimes in the midst of a service just feeling down. Your drive here may have been just down, down, down. But I'm telling you, when you rejoice, the Bible says, the garment of praise that you choose to put on will lift that spirit of heaviness. Come on, somebody, push it up. Push it up. See, when you push your hands up, when you begin to praise God, you're just pushing off that burden. You're pushing off that weight. And God is saying, I need you to lay aside every weight, every sin that will easily beset you. And I want you to run. Somebody say, run for Jesus. God wants you to be able to run for Jesus. I'm not tired yet. That's what God is speaking to his people, is that he's wanting you to get in line. I'm not tired yet. Yes, this happened. Yes, that happened. Yes, we're going through this. But yay, do I walk through the valleys in the shadows of death. And I'm not fearing anything or any man. Because God is with me. God's going to take me through. And he's promised that I will take you into a peaceful place. Into what? green pastures. What did he say? I will restore you. Somebody say restoration. God is a God of restoration. What the devil has stole from you. God says I can restore it to you. The Bible said in the book of Joel, he says what the caterpillar and the canker worm and the locust has eaten up, God can restore. And whatever feels broken in your life right now, whatever feels like it's been stolen from you right now, God is speaking and saying, I will restore. I will restore. I will restore. Just rejoice. Hallelujah. Folks, it's important to rejoice in the Lord. 
And the Lord says, rejoice always. You, I know you, but every now and then people will say, Pastor, but I'm going through a storm. I just want you to know if you read your Bible, when you go through the storm, there's somebody in the boat with you called Jesus. You remember the disciples, they were going through a storm, and they even woke Jesus up and said, careth not that we perish? See, folks, you've got to remember who's in the boat with you. You got to know who's walking through the valleys and the shadows of death with you. God says he's with you, won't leave you, will never forsake you. Lo, he said, I will be with you until the end of the ages. Folks, it's not over yet. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. The devil has been saying that it's over for you. It's not over. The best. Is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And I don't know about you, but God tells me every day He will do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or even think. Somebody, anybody in here can think large. You can think large. You can think large. God says, What I have for you is more than that, it's exceeding that. Come on. You are blessed like that. You are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are the head, the Bible said, not the tail. You are above, the Bible said, not beneath. Who's under my feet? The devil is under my feet. See, some folks, you got to learn how dancing, when you dance unto the Lord, do you know what you're doing? You're stumping on the devil's head. You're stumping on the devil's head. And that's what God wants you to do. That's why he wants you to pick up your feet every now and then and stump on the devil's head. That's why he wants you to clap your hand because it's like thunder. It's like thunder. And the Bible says that you, what you're doing, you're drawing near to God, and God is drawing near to you. And he said what you're doing is putting up what we call resistance. And what will happen? The devil will flee. If I could put it into your terms like this, into those uh, people who go to the gym, you know, you like to work out. One of the best ways to get strong is to get involved in what we call resistance training. Anybody get that? I, I want you to flip that switch now spiritually. The best for, way for you to get strong in the Lord and in his the power of his might is to do what? Resisting the devil. And he'll flee. See, the devil wants you to cry. And God wants you to rejoice. The devil wants you to sit down and God wants you to get up. The devil wants you to stop and God says, go ye. Folks, it's about getting the word in you. If you abide in me, the Bible says in John, and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will, it'll be done unto you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go ahead and sit down. Hallelujah. God is a good God. God is a great God, and he is greatly to 
be praised. And this is why he says, because God is so greatly to be praised, then that praise should be continually in our mouth. That praise should be continually in our mouth. I know that there is an occasion to complain, but my Bible tells me that's not the direction that God's taking me in. Because the Bible says about murmuring and complaining, he says, do everything without these. Folks, I'm telling you, I know that this has been a year and the past probably 19 months have been a, a time for people to murmur and complain. But God says, you as a people of God should be doing the opposite. You should be praising. You should be rejoicing. You should be lifting Jesus up. You should be doing the opposite of what the world is doing. God is showing you that this is the day that he has made. And what do you know about that, that the following that? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will what? Rejoice. But it's COVID out there. I will rejoice. But there's people that are sick out there, Pastor. I will rejoice. But my finances are not as tight as I want them. I will rejoice. The Bible says, let the weak say what? Let the poor say. Folks, I'm telling you, get on the Lord's side. Why is this so important? The scripture tells me, tells you, tells us. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. As a man thinketh, so shall it be. See, sometimes we're thinking on the wrong thing. Back in my day when I was a much younger man, we used to call it stinking thinking. So sometimes our thinking is just Stinking up heaven. Because God's saying, my words are sweet. My words are life. And what you're speaking stinks. It's a stench, as the scripture would say in the book of Revelation. It's a stench in the nostrils of God. Why? Because we have not gotten our mouth in line with what God is saying. This is why in the Proverbs, when you read the scripture, it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in. What do you think is acceptable in the sight of the Lord? The Bible says it like this. If you want to get it according to the scriptures, it says, now God will hasten to perform his word. Let's break that down perhaps in the way we speak. What will God come rushing to do? To fulfill his word. But if he doesn't hear his word. Years ago, there was a minister of the gospel. His name was David Humphrey. And David was teaching a lesson one night. And, and, and I thought it was such a beautiful, vivid picture. Of what happens in many people's lives. Now, those of you who have flown and, and, and you've been on an aircraft, helicopter, or, or, or airplane at night, one of the key areas, one of the key things that the navigators and the pilots are looking for at, with a night landing is what? 
There's a runway. And that runway is well lit. Now, I'm going to tie scripture back into this. The entrance of God's word gives light. The entrance of God's word gives light. He says there are some times where you ask God for something and you turn the light on and the blessing is coming now. Here, the blessing is coming, but all of a sudden you stop speaking the word. Come on, Brother Ron, or, 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 or who's back there? Elizabeth, turn the lights off. That's what happens. Instead of now being able to land based on what you've been speaking, come on, anybody want your blessings to start landing your, at your house? Then you've got to learn how to turn the lights back up. You've got to learn how to start speaking of the word so that the lights stay on. The interest of God's word. The Bible says, I want you to be what? Enlightened in your inner man. See, sometimes, folks, you think it's all right to just get over into your emotion. Well, pastor, I'm sorry. I had to lay my religion down because I was going to give that person a piece of my. Come on. God said, you need all. Tell your neighbor, you need your mind. You need all of your mind. And what you need to do with your mind, according to Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, you need to renew it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, the Bible says, by the renewing of what? Your mind. And the Bible says, when you renew your mind, your mind then is stayed on him. Well, anybody know what happens if your mind is stayed on him? The Bible says, when you keep your mind stayed on him, he will keep you in I don't know about you. I love peace. Anybody love peace in here? I don't know about you. I don't like fussing. I don't like fighting. I don't like arguments. I don't like stuff like that. I like peace. And God says, that's what I'll give you. I'll give you a peace that passes all your understanding. But you got to guard your mouth. You got to guard your mouth. And if you guard your mouth, I don't care what's coming out of other people's mouth. If you guard your mouth, guard your heart. God says, I can keep you right in the midst of that storm in perfect peace. Find a neighbor and tell him, today matters. Say it again, today matters. It matters what you do today. It really does matter what you do today. Today matters. A lot of people are going through as if the day didn't matter. I'll get it done tomorrow, Pastor. I'll get it done next week. I'll get it done. Look, this is the day that the Lord has made. We are to rejoice in it. We don't wait and say, I'll, I'll do that next week. No, it's the day. You don't know that you've got next week. You don't know that you've got the next day. You don't know that you've got next month or next year. Look, I've preached a lot of funerals in the last 19 months. Way too many. And I would imagine some of them would have had plans for Thanksgiving. Some would have had plans for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you, stay away from that stuff. 
Amen? See, there are things that we need to be spending time with our children in, but that's not one of them. Come on. You don't even want your child to eat all that candy anyway. Why you got them out there collecting it? You know, the dentist is just sitting there on Monday morning waiting for you. Because you're about to mess your child up. Their digestive system messed up. Their, 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 their teeth. But, but it's candy. Please. There's something sweeter than the honeycomb that they should have. Kids, I know I'm messing you up because you were looking forward to it. And man, what is that pastor saying? Folks, anything that glorifies death, anything that glorifies demonology, Anything glorifying witchcraft. Do you know the number one costume that kids or adults want to wear is what? A witch. Read your Bible about what God feels about witchcraft. And then you'll realize he doesn't want you taking part in something like this. Look, folks, do you know the, 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 the Bible says the root of all evil is what? Love of money. Anybody ever checked out how much money Hershey's make on Halloween? Not a couple million and like more close to a billion. The candy industry will promote this even though it will do harm to you and your household. Because it's money. And see, what you need to do is, you know, God, he says, I will withhold no good thing from you. Find a good thing to do with your children on a night when their peers and others are promoting this. And I know it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of, it, it, you see it in the school, you see it in the stores, you see it everywhere. But you've got to tell your children what? The truth. See, folks, this is the season where... The, the holiday, I call the holiday in the middle, is kind of just been made a turkey. Been the holiday before and the holiday after has been just made about give me, give me, give me. And we don't think about what's been given. We don't think about the greatest gift that has ever been given. We don't think about the fact that sometimes we're feeding our children what the world is feeding us and what the world is feeding them will not help them to grow. After a while, the world is going to feed them a red suit, big black belt, big white beard. You got to go to bed. He's going to come down the chimney. You don't even got a chimney at your house. You all know where I'm going with that, so I'm going to leave it alone. But what's wrong with telling your children the truth? What's wrong with telling your children the truth? Let me ask you a question before I get into this, because the, today's message is really for me about getting God's people focused. And I, I said, Lord, but it's holidays. Christmas is coming on. He says, you, you're going to preach on focus. And you're going to preach on focus until people get focused. I, I always think about a man of faith. His name was Kenneth Hagin uh, Sr. And he just preached on this subject matter of faith. Everywhere, every time I saw him in a conference, he didn't have any problem saying, open your Bibles. 
And you just knew where he was going. He was going to go, and if you know who Kenneth Hagin Sr. is, he would take you to Mark eleven twenty three, And he preached on it. You could have had a session with Brother Hagin in the morning. And he would say, turn your Bibles to Mark 11. And then you come back at night, and he's the speaker, the guest speaker for the night. And you know what he would have you to do? Turn in your Bibles to what? Mark 11, 23. So, folks, there's nothing wrong with some things that needs to be repetitive. And what the Spirit of the Lord was helping me to do is to realize you've got to be repetitive in this until people get it. How many of you realize that in order to teach, this teaching process from school to home requires repetition? How do your children learn their alphabet? Repetition. How do they learn their numbers? Repetition. How do they learn what they want to buy? Because the commercials repetitively condition them that you've got to have this. Your life is not going to be complete until you have these Jordans. And repetitively, they hear it. And they begin to believe it. But see, that's not truth. But the word of God is truth. Amen. And we do need to hear it repetitively. And this is why God said, let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart, let these things become acceptable to God. What is it that we're meditating? What is it that we've got our children meditating on? Let me ask you two questions before I get into this message of focus. And the emphasis in today's message on focus is that today matters. Today matters. Don't put off what you need to do today and put it off with that sense of tomorrow. Do it today. Do it right now. Here's question number one. You might want to write it down. Maybe you can just remember it. Do you have any habits or disciplines that you try to include in your life each day? Do you have any habits or disciplines that you try to include in your life each day? Now, those answers could vary. Some of them would, could be spiritual. Some of those could be from the physical. Uh, you know, somebody would, might say, I have a habit of going to the gym and working out for 20 minutes or, or longer every day. Somebody might say, I have a habit of just praying and praying in the spirit or praying in the understanding for at least an hour a day, every day. What is some of the disciplines or habits that you have in your life? And do you realize that I'm also opening the door that some of those disciplines and habits could be negative? I'm just asking you, what are some of the disciplines, what are some of the habits that you have in your life? But we want you to, of course, start thinking about things that are absolutely positive and godly. Here's question number two. To, to open this introduction, what is a decision that you've made in the past that is significantly affecting your life now? <laughs> yeah. What is a decision you've made in the past that is significantly affecting your life now? 
Look, I made a, a, a decision in the past, 41 years ago, to ask this lady to marry me. It significantly affected my life today. I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life over 50 years ago. It significantly affected my life today. You understand where I'm coming from? Some of you may not have a positive decision that you've made that is significantly affecting your life, but it's affecting. Some of you, you got in relationships, and that relationship is significantly affecting your life in a negative way. Some of you make financial decisions, bad ones. How many of you have ever bought a lemon in a car? I, not, not the grocery store limit. I'm talking about that car that wouldn't go. Kind of like uh, one time the, uh, the, the, the U.S. manufacturers were trying to get their product sold in other nations. And GM had a product at the time called a Nova. Anybody remember a Chevy Nova? And so they took the Chevy Nova to Japan, and it just wouldn't sell. It wouldn't sell. They'd sold not a single Nova in Japan. And finally, somebody had to say, well, what does Nova, is Nova translated to mean anything in Japan? We know what it seems to be trying to say to us here in the state, but what does it say? Well, did you know that Nova in the Japanese language meant won't go? <laughs> so why, do, why would you buy something that won't go? But some of us, we bought things that they wouldn't go. We made a decision, and then we wanted to give it back. How many of you know when you, you buy a lemon, you want to give it back? And they say, we're not taking it. We're not taking it. And sometimes when they say, even if we take it back, you still owe us. How many of you realize that there are some people who have bought vehicles not realizing that's a bad decision? You've way overpaid for that. And you didn't get something that we call gap insurance. And there are people who have gone out and they haven't had their car for a week and they were total lost. And all of a sudden, they had no car. But guess what they had? A note, a payment that they were still required to pay because there was a gap. And the gap was there because they made a bad decision. They overpaid. Folks, God is not wanting a gap to be in your life. God, remember we were talking about God wants to do exceeding abundantly. Do you remember that God said, I want the blessings to come on you and what? Overtake you. I want goodness and mercy doing what? Following you. How long? How long? So today matters. Today matters. The decision that you make today, it matters. It will affect you. The decisions you make today will affect tomorrow. This is why, folks, you don't enter into anything 
without truly acknowledging God in it. How many anybody in here, you've entered into some type of negotiation with people, and man, they let you down. Because you thought the, that, that the situation would call for this, but they were of a total different mindset. What you do today matters. One of the most significant things for me personally, the uh, discovery in my life was realizing that we often place too much emphasis on making decisions and too little on managing the decisions that we've already made. There are people that are constantly just moving. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision. And God says, yes, I wanted you to make a decision, but the decision that you make, I need you to manage that. I need you to work on that. How many of you have made a decision to serve Jesus Christ? Amen. Do you know you got to work on that every day? The Bible says you've got to mix it with faith now. It's a faith and a work process. It's a faith and a work journey. But if you don't manage that, you can just say, well, I accepted Jesus Christ. How many of you went to funeral and, and you know people were trying to, as it were, push their family member into the kingdom, but it doesn't work like that. They said, well, he accepted Jesus as a little boy, but he lived like hell the rest of his life. That doesn't work. That's totally against what scripture teaches you. I know, and I'm getting into the philosophy that, I mean, it's been a lot of debate. Once saved, always saved. I believe that to the certain extent that if you're saved. But there are times where I realize that people say things, they're not saved. They've never really had a heart transformation. They, 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 they really haven't given their life to Christ. Somebody might have said, say these words, and they said those words, but their heart. The, the, the Bible says it like this. It says, and their lips were praising me, but their hearts were far from me. Folks, when you make up your mind, see, as a pastor, when I was a novice, I would just think whoever was saying amen the loudest, they really had it going on. You notice when I said when I was a novice. But I've grown up now. I, I realize that many times people come to church, they don't want to learn anything. They just want to tell you where they want to work. I want to work with you. You might want to work on being a mature Christian first. How many of you would let a... the name slipped me. You know, uh, uh, an individual who abuses children, what do we call them? A pedophile. Thank you. How many of you would be okay with a pedophile working with children? Do you understand in the house of the Lord, the Lord wants you to get fixed before you can actually fix somebody else? And a lot of times people don't want to sit and be taught. They want to, I want to be over this. I want to be in this. I want to be in that. And as a pastor, I try to tread this cautiously because I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but at the same time, I'm a straight shooter. 
And if you don't get it when I'm trying to tell you, you need to sit for a while and learn, then I have to make it a lot stronger in my approach of telling you that. But every one of us, the Bible says we go from child to adult. We go from milk to meat. I don't see a little baby cradle in arms, but all of us know that it would actually be seem criminal for us when a child can only digest milk to be saying, well, I like Popeye's chicken. You better eat this chicken, baby. Now, what would you think of that person? I like a T-bone steak, so my little one-week infant, they got to eat what I eat. That would be criminal. It would be, I believe in heaven's recording, out of order for myself or any mature Christian to watch a babe and try to give them mature things to do. Anybody with me? Everybody say, today matters. Why am I saying that and keep saying that to you? Because some of us, we don't deal with today. We're on to tomorrow. Some of us don't deal with today because we're stuck in yesterday. How many of you know the Bible said you can't change one iota? I know that's Greek. But you cannot change one iota of things that happened yesterday. So why keep replaying them? Somebody says today matters. matters. Say it again. Today matters. Today matters. Yes, you made some bad decisions, but don't keep dwelling on the bad decision that you made. Today matters. Yes, you want to have a bright future, but your bright future is tied into today. Look, even when it comes to salvation, the Bible says, today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Everybody say it today. today. Say it again. Today. today. Say it again. Today. 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 Some decisions need to be made for some of you. In fact, literally all of us. Today. Today. Today matters. Most of us put off things that we need to be doing today. Successful people make right decisions early, and they manage those decisions daily. See, what I've learned, I learned from the word of God that I need to pray daily, that a man ought to always pray. Then I made a decision that if I'm going to be successful, then prayer is something that I could not. How many of you think that you would be successful if you made a decision that, you know what, I'm going to just forget to get dressed today. I just need to. I know that's a crazy visual, isn't it? But how many of you know you need to have that discipline in you? That when you get up, you need to clean up and dress up and then go out. And this is what the Bible teaches us. You need to let God clean you up 
And you need to get clothed in Christ. And then you go out and you can make the impact that he wants you to make. Somebody say today. today. Say it again, today. Today, somebody needs to get cleansed. Come on. I want to take, take you to this. Because somebody, somebody in here is saying, I don't need all this Jesus stuff. How do you think you got here? How do you think mankind as a whole got here? Just poof, we showed up, huh? How do you think the moon and the stars and the earth that we know it, how do you think it got in place? Somebody said a big explosion happened. I think they're a little silly. Somebody said we were being transformed from apes. We went from, uh, I don't know, Cro-Magnum to what kind, uh, other kind of form. But we evolved. That's what the word is. We were an evolving evolution. Come on. I've been. Anybody been to the zoo? You ever seen an ape evolving? They might evolve to eating more bananas. They might evolve to getting used to being in a cage, but they are not evolving. Folk, how long have you lived? You know that they are not evolving. So that theory, I find a lot of fault in it. But what I find in the Bible when I go to the book of Genesis, that there was God. And this is why I have... Try to coin a phrase that says, there is only one fundamental problem in the whole world. One. And that one problem is separation from God. Why do you think the earth is so twisted and mixed up and messed up? Separation from God. And there's only one fundamental solution. Jesus Christ. Somebody say, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Say it again, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. What do you think the air that you breathe comes from? Well, I can't see God. This is why I say this, and I say it sarcastically, yes. Can you see your brain? Matter of fact, let me make it even simple. Everyone, everyone, everyone do this. Look at your face. <laughs> do you realize you cannot even see your own face unless you have reflection? Do you realize that that's who God is to us? He helps us to see who we are and who we aren't. You can, you can put on the fake for me and for others but God sees you God said I knew you before you were formed before there was a sperm and an egg I knew you because he is sharing you with you and I we were spirit let's say it you know it many of you have been here with me long enough for 20 years uh, 25 years you know this say I am, I am not, not a human being, a human being. having a temporary spiritual experience I am a spirit having a temporary human experience you are spirit God is spirit and he said and if you're going to worship God you must worship him where in spirit 
and in truth. You are a spirit being. And that's one of the key things that God wants to get across to you. That you're spirit. That you're spirit. That, that when you accept Jesus Christ, your spirit now gets back to where it needs to be. How did you become a sinner? It's not because you drank. It's not because you smoked. It's not because you did dope. It's not because of anything. You became a sinner because you were born into it. How did you become whatever nationality that you are? Whatever color that you are? You were born into it. So you were born into sin. How did sin come? It came from God's initial creation. A man named Adam and a woman named and how and why did they sin? The key thing for me is this. And, and all of these things that I hear you saying, they, they, they have some truth in them. But here's the key thing. Deciding to do it their way. The voice says, the Bible says this, my sheep know and the voice of a they will not follow. I, I can't tell you how many disappointed families and parents that I've seen where your children make decisions. And you say, but I taught them, Pastor. And then you, when you finally get to hear the child, it's because somebody else started speaking into their ear. And they started doing what others said rather than what their parents were saying. Adam and Eve was like that. Who do you think their, their parent was? God. Almighty God. But one day, they're out in the garden, and they hear another voice. Yeah. Anybody know who that voice was? Yeah. Satan. See, this is why sometimes when you're reading your Bible, you've got to know that your Bible is not written in chronological order. You don't really get to hear about this Satan until you get over into the book of Ezekiel. In other words, you don't get a, a full expansion of how this all transpired. And you don't realize that Satan existed before you did. Satan was an angel. He wasn't before Jesus. I heard that, so I got to correct that. Satan was never before Jesus. There was always the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. This is why Genesis said that even when they were going to create man, they said, let us make man in our image. Satan was an angel who became corrupt. Ezekiel tells us, Isaiah tells us, he was named Lucifer. He was an angel who was designed to do what you and I started to do early on, worship. He had, the Bible says, all of the instruments were in him. How many of you know you got all the instruments too? If you were here a few weeks ago, I began to show you, you have all the instruments in you now. What are the instruments? Come on, musicians and musicians in here. What are they? Wind instruments, percussion instruments, and string. You have, do you know when you make a sound, it hits your vocal strings. When you push out sound, it's the wind that helps you. How many of you know this is your percussion? 
You have percussion. Lucifer had all of this. Lucifer had all of this. But he was before Adam and Eve. He know having been kicked out. This is why, go to Genesis chapter 1. You've got to see this. So that uh, some of you are looking at me and I, I realize that you may not know this. And some of you do. I know that you know it. But Genesis chapter 1. We're going to pick up verse 1, 2, and 3 in that. Genesis chapter 1. They're probably having a fit back there in the media room because I gave them a whole set of different scriptures. And I haven't touched one of them yet. Genesis chapter 1. I love it because it starts with where we all have to start. Where is our beginning? Where is your beginning? Everything begins with God. Everything is going to end with God. There are two Greek words that are spoken in the Bible, and it speaks of God, and it says he's Alpha and Omega. I know all the time when you hear things like Alpha and Omega, you think about Greek fraternities. But these are Greek words. Alpha means the beginning. Omega means what? The ending. It's just like saying A and Z. So everything begins with God and everything is going to end with God. And God says there's going to come a day when every one of us, every one of us, adults as well as children, where we will give account before God and how we served him. My good friend Enoch Satima was telling me about a phenomenal 10-year-old that he says, man, pastor, there are days when he outpreaches me. 10 years old. Why? Because he's chosen to love God. When you look in your Bible and you hear characters in the Bible, one of, t tell me a famous male character that you remember in the Bible. Somebody shout out. I like it. Somebody said Daniel. Somebody said David. Both of them, I like them. Here's Daniel. Approximately 14 years old. And all the things that you hear about Daniel, you need to know you're talking about a 14-year-old. A 14-year-old who has made up his mind that God, my life belongs to God. My service belongs to God. My talents belong to God. Everything that I have came from God. Everything that I am belongs to God. That's Daniel. Daniel, we're talking about the kid who was thrown in the lion's den. Trusting God. That if they throw me in the lion's den, God will deliver me. Come on, anybody know his friends, his closest friends, his BFF? Who was his BFF? And don't say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because those are names that do not reflect what those boys stood for. I'm going to tell you what happens with these boys and, and, and why those names, I preach against it. Because these are Hebrew boys who are brought into captivity and the Chaldean says, we are going to take the most educated of their group. Folks, countries have been doing this for years. Yeah. 
They take the scientists, they take the most talented people when they are in war, they take the most talented people and use them to advance their culture. And so the Chaldean says, we're going to take the smartest of their people and we're going to indoctrinate them into our culture. They shall assimilate and become like us and then they wanted to change their name. Look, Daniel, when they wanted to give Daniel a name, they gave him a name Belshazzar. Whoever says Belshazzar when we talk about Daniel? Because he never received that name. And then I, I, I've said to my colleagues, we have done a great injustice by always wanting because they rhyme. Shatrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then somebody got a little cute with it and said, Shatrach, Meshach, and a big Negro. <laughs> we have to stop trying to be cute with things of God and be truthful. Anybody remember what their names, their true names were? Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They maintained that. Do you know that's why they were being thrown into the furnace? Because they were not accepting the culture of the world. See, tonight pressure is on a lot of you parents whether you're going to stand for God or whether you're going to be thrown into the culture of the world. My children, I've got to get them a costume. You need to get them clothed in Christ. You need to get them clothed in Christ. I, 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 they got to get some candy. We'll go to the store and buy them a snicker. But don't take them out into this foolishness this worldliness, this ungodliness, this unclean thing. And if you didn't know it was unclean, everybody said today, today. I, know the truth. I know the truth. And you should be free of that now. Amen. So let's go back to Genesis where I'm, oh man, who's the keeper of the clock today? <laughs> Time is flying. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For your beginning, for my beginning, for civilization as we know it, the beginning was God. And this is what he says about the earth. The earth was without form, void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. See, folks, he's describing our lives as well. Without God, you're without form. Because you were created to be like God. You remember? Let us make man in our image. Without form. You were created to be spirit. As the New Testament tells us, now to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he says, and this is how the earth was. It was without form, void. Anybody give me a good definition of void? What is void? Empty. 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 That's a good way of describing it. Anybody else? Void. Nothing. nothing. Make me think of Billy Preston. Nothing from nothing leaves. Nothing. It's nothing. Do you realize in heaven's view, you are nothing without God? 
Do you know that apart from God, you can do So this is how God came and found the earth. Without form. Void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And what happened? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. Come on, I don't know if you know this. The Spirit of God is hovering over this service this morning. The Spirit of God is hovering over this service. Uh, the Spirit of God is hovering over your life right now. And the Bible says, when something was spoken, then, 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 even in the condition that the earth was in, even in the condition that you're in, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 3. And God saw the light. That it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. How many of you know you can be assured there will be darkness? How many of you know, even on the rainiest of days, the cloudiest of days, the snowy of days, there shall be light. I know some of you say, well, I've been to Alaska, Pastor, and it, oh, that's just because of the solar eclipse. Yes, there are some really long, dark days in Alaska. But do you realize there are just as long a days of light? This is some of the adjustments that our military people have to make because when you are getting 18 to 20 hours of light, you really have to make sure your room looks dark. How many of you have ever been on a, on a cruise ship and you got an inside cabinet? If somebody didn't wake you up, you would never know that it was light outside because it has no windows. And those rooms get pretty dark when they cut the lights off on the cruise ship. But God separated the light from the darkness. And it still obeys his voice every day. God, Nicole Mullins, we're going we're gonna to end with that. Nicole Mullins, uh, um, I know my redeemer lives. You, I, I just love that song. Because you, you remember when she says, who told the ocean it could come but so far? Somebody say God. Do you understand that the earth is 75% water? But God says, stay there. My people need this other 25%. Stay there. I know you say, well, there's flooding that happens every now and then. Even when the flood comes, the flood has to go. Come on. Anybody ever seen flood? I mean, there was flooding in Alexandria. There was flooding in Annapolis just a few days ago. But even that water that came up must go back. How many of you know the devil may come in like a flood, but God will raise up a standard? You can always count on God. Look at your neighbor and say, you can always count on God. Find another neighbor and tell him, you can always count on God. Folks, I'm trying to get you to see today you make a decision that Jesus is the way. That you really can and always will be able to count on God. 
All of us in here, I don't care how young you are, how old you are, you've had friends that have come and gone. But God, this is how what he's how you describe it. He said, I am a friend that sticks closer than a friend. Some of us, any of you like me, you got some jacked up relatives? Y'all know what I mean when I say jacked up. But God, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's how God, he's steadfast. And he's trying to help you and I to get to that place in our today that we realize that today we can be just like him. But we can't do it staying the way we are. Somebody say change. change. Say it again, change. change. Change has to take place in our lives. I want to give you a couple of things because I want to give you a takeaway after this message because there's something that I believe that God wants you to do today. Today. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today. He wants you to at least start to initiate something today. Amen? Amen? People, let me just go into my notes. People create success in their lives by focusing on today. I realize that when I get so much on my plate, I'm not focused. How many of you realize that? When you get too much, how many of you ever had one of, let's, let's talk in the natural, you had a plate, and maybe it was a paper plate you had all that food on, and you really couldn't balance it? Stuff was dropping off. How many of you put too much in the cup and it's wasted? And see, God wants you to put enough on the plate, and he'll put enough on your plate that you can handle. How many of you realize that sometimes a child can't handle as much on their plate as an adult? So don't, don't be looking across at somebody else's plate. Just work with your plate. Amen? Work with your plate. Work with what God has put in your life to do. Come on, say, I'm purpose-driven. Purpose say it again, I'm purpose-driven. Purpose I believe that every believer should have a copy of that book, Purpose-Driven Life. If you've never heard of it, you should, you should begin a search for it, Amazon or wherever you go to buy books electronically or hardback copy. I have a hardback copy. I have an electronic copy of it. But I go back and I read that book from day to day. And it's a 40-day journey. And it, it aligns itself with how long it took Jesus when he went into the wilderness, 40 days. Amen? I'm trying to think of the author's name. I know in Saddleback Church, Rick Warren. Thank you. Rick Warren. So those of you, I, I needed to say that for those who were trying to look for the book. It, Rick Warren, he's a pastor of a church out in California called Saddleback Community Church. Uh, Saddleback uh, is literally a subdivision of Cal in California and he pastors a church out there and he wrote this book Purpose Driven Life he had written a book I think for ministers years before and it was called A Purpose Driven Church I had that copy before I ever got a copy of A Purpose Driven Life but he realized he needed to write to more than just ministers he needed to write to the body of Christ and The Purpose Driven Life and all of us have a purpose. Say, I have a purpose. I have a purpose. <laughs> Say it again. I have a, I have a purpose. You have a purpose. 
I preached messages around that. I was preaching a message on purpose before that book ever came out. And I would say concerning I have a purpose. My purpose is to win the loss to Jesus Christ. Everybody say Great Commission. Great commission. Say it again. Great commission. great commission. The Great Commission is about winning the loss to Jesus Christ. Say I have a purpose. I have a say it again. I have a purpose. And see, folks, sometimes we get so twisted on what we're doing today, and it doesn't include winning the loss. If I were to ask you to honestly tell me how you saw your day planned out, would winning the loss be on that list of things for you? That's rhetorically speaking which means I don't want a response from you verbally. But I want you to internally process, do you get up with the mind of Christ? Because the mind of Christ is that I want everyone to be saved. It is God's desire that all men might be saved. Hey, our attitude sometimes is, let me just sit. I need to get mine. I had a professor in college who used to say this all the time. And I thought it was wrong then. I still think it's wrong now. And he would say to me, I got mine. You got to get yours. Well, that's not the attitude of God. That's not. The Bible says, let him who would be first... Do unto others. That's the attitude of God. That's what we need to be. He, he's trying to get us to get to the place where we're humble. And that scripture that you see up on the screen, uh, on the wall right there, it talks about what humble people do. It talks about the kind of disciplines that humble people have. It may sound trite to you for me to say this, but today is the only time that you have. Today is the only time that you have. Anybody own tomorrow? You don't. Anybody own the next hour? Today, right now, is the only time that you have. It's too late for yesterday. Remember me saying, you can't change one iota of what happened yesterday. It's too late for yesterday. Now, today, today matters. And let me just say, you can't depend on tomorrow. That's why today matters. That's why today matters. Today matters. And most of the time, I find that most people miss that. that. There is something that they can be doing today and they are sometimes putting it off or they're thinking so far ahead or they're thinking so far behind them. So I find that people over-exaggerate their yesterday and they overestimate their tomorrow. But they underestimate today. Did you get that? People over-exaggerate yesterday. Over-exaggerate yesterday. 
overestimate tomorrow. I'm going to get it all done. I'm going to get, how many of you have seen where in your life where you said I was going to get that done, I was going to get that done, and then the day is gone and you haven't got any of that done because you overestimated what you could do tomorrow. And you underestimate today. Don't underestimate what you can do today. Deuteronomy, let's just do this. I got a couple of minutes if you'll give me. How many of you will give me five more minutes? My short of hand, you give me five more minutes? That's five, 10, 15, 20, 20. <laughs> just messing with you. There's five more minutes. I think I'll, I'll be able to bring this to a close. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Old Testament, and verses 5 through 7, it says, and this is what the Bible teaches us. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And these words which I command you, I was waiting for you to say it. Because I'm trying to get you to get this message in your spirit. These words which I command you, it's today, folks. They shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. What part of your day is left out with all of that? Do you understand that this is what he means when he's talking about meditating in God day and night? Folks, everything that you see, you can have a conversation about the goodness of God. Folks, I have been past cemeteries with children during summer camps, and we'd go by the cemetery, and I'd say, slow down. I'd have the bus driver, or if I was driving, he would slow down and say, you know what? The Bible speaks that the dead in Christ will rise first. And those that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. There's something every place you look, you can talk about God. You can talk about God. Do you know if you look at a tree and have your child to look at the tree, you can tell your children, look, this is why God wants us to praise him. Because if we won't praise him, he said, the trees of the field will begin to clap their hands. You can pick up a rock. Don't try to sell it, though. Pet rock. But he says, the rocks will cry out if God's people don't cry out in worship and praise unto him. Folks, what am I trying to show you is that everything has a biblical tie back to it. And this is why God is saying, these are the things that I want you to have conversation over. I want you to have conversation about these things in your home, especially with your children. And I know every now and then you may say, Pastor, I don't know enough to be even telling my children anything about God. This is why we say to you, it's so imperative that you get in a Bible study or a small group. We have small groups in our church. I swear it's approximately 8 to 12 people. I don't like them to get bigger than 12. Because when they get to be bigger than 12, all of a sudden you got somebody's head that swells. And all of a sudden, they're the pastor. They now are kind of saying, well, I got a church following me. 
You don't. You don't understand what Moses' father-in-law, you know, if Moses had a father-in-law, his name was Jethro, and Jethro was saying, and he showed, showed them, said, did you realize that your leaders, their anointing flows down from you? That much of what they're doing and the anointing that's on their life is because of the anointing that was placed on the leader. And it's slowing down. I understand this by being a military man. I spent 20 years in the United States Air Force, and we call it chain of command. And there are times when people would get out of the chain of command. You understand what I'm talking about? Get out of the chain of command. How many of you know in your household there's a chain of command? Y'all will say it again. Yes, there's a chain of command. And how many sometimes you realize that your children start acting like you the child? A little tone, a little attitude, a little direction. Come on, look at your daughter and say, I'm still the mama. <laughs> you are still mom, you are still dad, and God is still God. And we need to acknowledge him. And this is why the scripture is saying, you know, today, today is the day that we become aware and cognizant of the fact that everything comes from God. Everything comes from God. I, I think I put the message translation in this so that I could read it from this. The message translation starting at verse 5 and down to verse 9 says, Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that is in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the streets. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and forehead as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. If anybody's ever traveled to Israel, if anybody has, is a friend to someone who is Jewish, you will notice that when you go to their home, there's this, this little ornament. It looks like an ornament. It's called a, a, a mezuzah. A, a, a mezuzah. Mezuzah. It's a mezuzah. It's spelled M-E-Z-U-D-A, I believe. But this little thing is on the entry of their home, and it opens up, and inside is a scripture that that family is standing on. I don't see faith here today, but I, 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 would, I would laugh inwardly with a sense of thankfulness. Because until faith got scriptures in her, when she got her first car, Delene, you remember this, it was just lined with scriptures. I mean, she wrote scriptures and taped them on the dashboard. She wrote scriptures and taped them on the globe compartment. She wrote scriptures and taped them on the centerfold because she wanted to keep that word nigh her, even in her mouth. Some of you, you don't have no scriptures in your home. You think you are classic. You think you're artsy. But you have no scriptures anywhere in your home. 
You have no word anywhere in your home. You ought to have some word. Folks, when I get up in the morning, I want to see word. When I walk out of my door, I see words that remind me of who I am in Christ. See, sometimes we've gotten to, God says, you've got your, your fine houses and you've got your fine things that you have adorned yourself with, but we forget about God. How many grew up in a house where at least the family would have something up there about being a blessed family, about a home that prays together, stays together, things of that nature, reminding you of the goodness of God? Now, I'm not an advocate of just having Jesus look like he had blonde hair and blue eyes. But you remember back in the day, your parents always had something to remind you of God. Folks, sometimes we have gotten so decor, and even the church. I remember meeting with a group of pastors, and I was asking the question of how many of them had a cross in that church, and they said, oh, we just like a lot of blank space. Come on. Those of you who like to surf the net and you like to go to the so-called larger ministries, watch the stage. Find the cross. Find anything that points to Jesus. You won't. It's like one of our friends down in West Virginia. He said to me, he says, Pastor, I am all fogged out. Because every service, they felt like they needed to cut the lights down. They put the fog machines on. They had all of the disco colored lights. And they thought that set the atmosphere. I'm not saying that's a sin in itself, but sometimes, folks, you can blur Jesus out. You can just blur Jesus out. And I don't want him to be blurred. He has to be the center of it all. I've used up your five minutes. Here's one of the things I want to say to you. When you're focusing on your today and you're focusing on Jesus, you are going to have some haters. You're going to have some haters. Can I take you to a passage of Scripture? Elizabeth, I know you don't have this, but uh, you can find it real quick. Genesis. It's the first book in the Bible, so it should be very easy for everybody to find. Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to pick it up in the sixth verse and take it down to the ninth verse. Skip down over verse 10 and then kind of have the 11th verse. Okay? Genesis chapter 37. Let's find that real quick. She's diligently pulling it up on the screen for us as we do that. But you can find it in your Bible, can't you? Okay? So let me set the, um, the intro to it. This is a, a young boy that we know as Joseph in the Bible. Many of you identify him as Joseph, the little boy that had the coat of many colors. Okay? His father made him a beautiful coat that apparently was very colorful. So he said to them, this is Joseph speaking to his family now. And Joseph said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. Next verse, please. He says, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. 
Then behold, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheep stood all around and bowed down to my sheep. Next verse, please. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more. You notice how the scripture tells us they already hated him. But now, even more. How many of you know there are people who hate you? There are people in your community, there are people on your job, there are people sometimes in your own family. They just hate you. And then when you start talking about your dream, the Bible says they hated him even more for his words. But I'm going to just say to you today, don't let your words be muffled when God has given you a word. Don't let your dreams be snuffed out when God has given you a dream. And for those of you who did not understand those agronomous terms like sheaves, this is to mean they were just binding uh, uh, this type of uh, 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 wheat together, and, and, and generally they, they have it in bundles, and uh, you will be more uh, familiar with what we call a bale of hay. Uh, we don't have, yeah, we have one right here. You would be familiar with something like this, where they would bind it together. This bale of hay is bound together. And so he's saying, my bale of hay just stood up, and your bales of hay bowed down. And they interpreted it as saying, are you going to think you're going to be in charge of us? How many of you have been left with babysitting and sometimes your sister or your brother say, you're not the boss of me? And sometimes y'all hear it in the, in, the, in the workplace. You're not the boss of me. When the cat's away. And sometimes we just want to play. And God is trying to say, you need to obey. So why do I bring Joseph into this discussion about today? Because today I believe that God is giving some of you dreams. But you're going to have some people that are not going to get on board with you with the dream. I had to learn that the hard way as a pastor. That everybody that was coming up and smiling at me and putting me on the, patting me on the back and talking about good message pastor, great message pastor. You know, I go back. I was in the world at one time. There was a group called the OJs. Anybody know them? And what did the OJs say? They're smiling in your face, and all the time they're trying to take your place. And there are times that there are people like that right in the midst of you. They're smiling, but they're hating. And there are times where you've got to get it in you that what God has for you is for you. The blessings that God's going to bless you with, they are your blessings. Say, it's mine. mine. Say it again, it's mine. It's your blessing. You are an impactor. You are an influencer. And God wants you to use that impact and influence to help someone else today. Ushers, I want you to hand something out. I, I printed something out. I, 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 I typed it up, and it was in color. There was five rings to this particular graphic. And, and it was in color, and I probably used the wrong color so that when I put it on the printer, to print it in black and white, 
all of the rings didn't come out, but just kind of imagine that everything that you're going to see on there is rings connected to each other, all right? Kind of like the Olympic rings in a sense. And, and, and it's just something that I want you to do. So let's do this as quickly as possible. Uh, if we need to make some more copies, I will. I, I think I made approximately 75 copies, but if we need more than that, we'll do that. And if you don't get one right away, be patient. We'll make sure that you get one before you leave. Because this is a, a sheet of paper, and those of you who may be viewing in the audience, uh, you can stop by the church anytime this week and get your copy as well. Or if you can't stop by, if you will contact the church, we will, and you have an email address, we will email a copy of this sheet to you as well. But it's something that I want the whole congregation to work on because it's something that I'm trying to get you to do today. It's something that I'm trying to get you to work on today. It's something that I believe that God wants you to work on today. Because it's something that God wants you to sow into. And the thing that God wants all of us to sow into is into people's lives. And he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he said, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows gener generously will also reap generously. And so I'm trying to get you to sow into somebody's life today. Don't put it off until tomorrow. It's today. Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7 through 10, it says, Do not deceive. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whosoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Verse 10 of Galatians 6 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of the believers. And so what you have in front of you is this little sheet of paper, and I'm asking you to do something with it. Put something in motion. Look, you don't have to fill up all of the circles there. There's five circles there. Just pick one. There's an impact that you can make. Perhaps it's with your family. Perhaps it's with people that you're familiar with. Perhaps it's a group that are your friends. Perhaps it's those people that you just have fun with. You know, these are people that you do hobbies with. These are people that you, you may uh, uh, play basketball with, go to gym with, uh, uh, play golf with. But in one of these five groups, and the word firm, I, I, I didn't have another word for it, but I, I was trying to make all the words F words. <laughs> but the firm would be pretty much your workplace. But pick one circle. I'm not asking you to pick all five. Not today. I'm asking you to pick one circle today. And in that circle, those lines, put some names in there. And what am I asking you to do? Contact those people that God bring to your forefront. Everybody say today. today. Now you can take this piece of paper, and I'm, I trust me. A lot of times when we give out paper, and that's why I stopped stop giving out a whole lot of paper, because I would come through here, and the paper would be just laying on the chair. Because some people never took it seriously. 
Uh, I, you got the paper, you left it right on your seat because it wasn't meaningful to you. But if people are meaningful to you, please take this and please take it seriously. These are people that today I believe that if you will trust God, when you touch them, when you reach out to them via phone, via Facebook, via whatever platform that you can reach them, for some of you it's a physical visitation. You're going to impact their life today. And it's going to impact your life today. It's one of those decisions that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. Amen? Amen. Father, we want to thank you for the word today. We want to thank you for the worship today. We want to thank you for everything that you always do so freely and lovingly and kind and faithful toward us. And we just want to thank you for having allowed us to come into this place this morning and to worship, to be together. We want to thank you for every witty invention, creative idea that you've given us to be able to take this message into people's homes near and far. And so, Father, we don't take it for granted what you're doing and how you're doing it in the age that we're living. What we want to see is that the gospel of Jesus Christ go as far and as fast as possible into the uttermost parts of the earth. And, Father, you have given us an assignment, and we know it to be what you call the Great Commission. And that Great Commission has commissioned each one of us to go out and tell the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. You said we could tell it in our homes. You could say you said we could tell it when we are out in the way. You said that we could tell it wherever we are. So Father, I thank you for helping us to tell his story. To tell his story and see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I didn't take a time to do tithes and offering. Uh, for those of you who are physically here, uh, ushers will be at each one of the exit points here in the sanctuary. And if it's in your heart to give, give. If it's in your heart to sow toward building, sow toward the building. If it's in your heart to sow toward children's ministry, sow toward the children's ministry. But whatever God has put in your heart to do, do it. Do it, and do it as unto God. For those of you at home, and perhaps some of you are here, you do this electronically. You don't even have a checkbook anymore. That's just not something that you do. I know that I'm living with a generation of people that checkbooks are just outdated. They say, Pastor, you're a dinosaur. And I said, okay, I'm a dinosaur. But I still have a checkbook. And so I understand that we're in this age of electronics, and so thank you for giving what you give electronically. Those of you who use these various uh, applications to sew in, and you can go to our website, www.rainbowfamilychristian.org, and it, how to give. Uh, you click on that particular uh, menu uh, topic and it will show you ways in which you can give whether by PayPal or other means that will be able to fulfill what God has told us to do in terms of giving. Bring your tithes in, and offerings into the storehouse. 
We thank all of you on this past Wednesday. Several of you joined us in our church business meeting. You had some wonderful ideas. I look forward to getting back with the board and entertaining some of the ideas that I heard you share with us about a building. But a building is something I know that the Lord is telling us is a sense of urgency for us. My wife pulled up some documentation for me the other night, and she said um, it, it, it's a sense of urgency for us when it comes to a building. And so for you, I want you to be reminded that every week make it a sense, a piece of urgency for us to say we will um, get the building that God wants us to have. Now, I'm very proud of this and not acting in pride, but very proud that for 25 years we've never had to borrow a dime. We've never had to have a loan to get anything. I still believe that God can do this supernaturally. I still believe that God can do this where we have no debt. But at the same time, we realize that we're going to have to have a minimum of $4 million if we're going to acquire property in this. And that's on the low end. Most buildings that we have looked at have been six, eight, ten, and and above in terms of the asking price, and I'm talking million. But here, I, you know, after we had that meeting, the next morning I'm listening to a news radio station, and they're talking about a man who um, many of you know as the um, owner of, uh, of this car called Tesla. Uh, this individual has been helping to send people out into uh, space. And they were talking about the fact that they sense that within a year, this man will not just be a billionaire, he will be a trillionaire. I, I, don't, I can't even hardly say the word. Trillionaire? He'll be a trillionaire. They were talking about, uh, and for some of you, you're saying, who is he talking about? His name is Elon Musk. Look him up. Elon Musk. And they were saying, Elon Musk on an average day, makes $40 billion. How many of you like your salary to be that for a year? <laughs> now, what God wanted me to get out of this, and what I'm trying to get to you is this. He says, even the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just, and I believe that there's something coming our way. But I think that God is going to be looking at us and saying, are you concerned about what God is concerned about? Nehemiah made a plea to people that are we going to just live like we live in the house of God not be attended to and he went on a journey to say there's something that's got to be built there's something that's got to be acquired for God this is why in the Jewish um, um, uh, society they celebrate something called the Feast of Tabernacles and I know some of you don't are not familiar with this particular holiday but the Feast of Tabernacles if you go by as a Jewish person who is celebrating this feast you'll see uh, perhaps they make a mock shanty in the backyard this is to remind them of what God brought them out of and what God brought them into and so they made these little tents and things to remind them that when they were in Egypt, they had nothing. But look what the Lord has done. Some of you have come from nations and countries and regions of the United States where your beginnings were very limited. But God, somebody say, but God. But God. Somebody say it again, but God. But God. You know, I was telling someone you know, we take it for granted that uh, everyone has running water. 
And I said, all I have to do is take you about 30 miles down the road, and there are still people that do not have running water in their homes. We take it for granted that we go into what we call our bathroom. But there are still people who are going outside and into some covering because their bathroom, they don't have indoor plumbing. And we're talking about right here in the United States of America, 20 miles away. And if you don't believe me, come see me. I'll take you and show you. There are people just north of Potomac. It, it did make the news probably about three months ago, just north of Potomac. And when you think Potomac, you think what? Money, wealth. But there's a group of people living just north of Potomac. And I'm not, when I say north of Potomac, I'm talking one and a half miles. Still didn't have running water. Still did not have any indoor plumbing. And so God doesn't want you to take it for granted that what you have is just... That's what I deserve. No, God is saying, I brought you from somewhere. And I'm trying to take you somewhere. But don't forget, and don't leave the things of God's house unattended. Amen. I love you. God bless you. You are a blessing. Just remember that on November 6th, which is this coming Saturday, we are having a session called Exit Strategy. This is so that we can share as much information as possible of how to be prepared when your time, God calls your name and says, come on up to heaven, that you don't leave a burden for your family members. So every one of you that are here today, please come back on Saturday at 10 a.m. We're going to uh, forgo even something that I love to do. I'll just have to do it earlier, and that's a 10 o'clock prayer. But at 10 a.m., we will have a live session as well as an electronic uh, broadcast of this particular subject matter. It's too important. You know, I preached a lot of funerals in this last 19 months, and most were not prepared. Let's get prepared. If you're in agreement with that, say amen. See you on Saturday at 10 a.m. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.